I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I've got Chris Thompson here from A Love Supreme. He's the, the final the final one of the trio, the triumvirate, I like that word, um, who's going to be representing a love supreme on the podcast because we've already had Sobs and Martin McFadden on. Christian Hanedge is on again for the third time now. Um, supposed to be here last week, but we'll let him off if he had professional duties. <laughs> I'm sure we can't hold that against you. You all right, you all right guys? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Don't answer at once. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, I'm pretty... pretty Gonna have to make sure I'm, I'm distinctive, distinct in the the Christian and the Chris here. We've yeah. been having a discussion, and, and we've got yeah, we've got a Chris Nee who's coming <laughs> on as a guest as well from the Aston Villa end. So sack the production stuff out here. But yeah. we um we as we half expected, we have a defeat to talk about against Stoke. We will talk about the red card incident t- to an extent. I don't want to kill it. I don't want to over overdo it. Everybody knows it was wrong. It's been rescinded and all this. First of all, I want to talk about. The defending Gareth for the goal, mm-hmm. which we can't really ignore because when we defended as well as we did against Manchester City, who were probably the best side in the country for for attacking from deep areas, and we defended so well in that game, it's disappointing to concede a goal to a midfield runner, isn't it? I think it was just a, a, a consequence of that fluidity um, that's been instilled now. So, you know, that's a good thing when it's all you know neat, but they got broken on and everyone was a bit. Out, it was the shape wasn't great, and I think they just got, mm. you know, they just, didn't just somebody like Charlie Adam though, you know, has got an yeah. eye for goal. You know, you 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 would think somebody would be pretty pretty clear, wouldn't you, in, in, in making sure he was picked up. Well, I mean, you've got to pick your runners up. They've been done that against Man United. They got done like that, didn't they, with uh, Janisai? So mm. um, it's not it's not uncommon. Um, you know, your midfield runner is always yeah you know, the the person who can make the difference. So mm-hmm. Kristen Hanedge, um I was watching the highlights of the of the games in the Premier League and the Fulham Swansea game. Now John Joe Shelby sort of created a goal from a bit of nothing there. Mm. Am I right in worrying a little that it's okay for Sunderland the way they're playing and the way they're setting up, but are we missing somebody in the midfield who can maybe do on paper Johnson should do it and Jack Arani should do it. But you know what I mean? You know the way he created that goal from nothing, John Joe Shelby. I was watching that thing and do we have somebody who when we go away in the Premier League who can bring Sunderland a goal like that? I don't think there's a goal scoring central midfielder in there at the minute. Um I think there's certainly enough creators. There's there's Key, there's even Jack Colback, I think, has the potential to do it, given Poye's brief tenure with the club. But I I don't see someone getting the kind of goals you're talking about just just because I don't see the kind of attacking intent from any of them. And that's sometimes the difference between being, between a win and a, win and a draw, isn't it? As, as yeah. evident in the game I'm talking about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you talk about Charlie Adam, there's probably a, a good example of someone who, who makes that run into the final third. I think that's what's missing, is someone to make that run. Now, that could probably be coaxed out of somebody. Whether 
Poirier thinks that he needs that in the side is a, is a different question. He might want to keep those three as a stable unit so you don't lose the, the midfield battle because that's what Pep Guardiola said at the weekend. Control the midfield, control the game. That's certainly the philosophy, Chris, isn't it, that Poirier's brought in here and like Kristen said he, he doesn't seem like he wants to move away from that much does he the compact the way he's keeping the compact midfielders is that something that worries you maybe because we've had this discussion before about his record at Brighton now I know it's a bit unfair it's very premature to sort of make comparisons but we did always say that when Brighton went behind they notoriously didn't come back into games as I've just said there to Kristen maybe a little bit of individual brilliance can get you back into games does it, does it concern you at all a Poyet doesn't you know, almost has things too structured. Well, I think I think with Poya, it's actually it's the case of stability and fluidity at the same time. You've got these three compact midfielders, and the team almost moves around them. You know, uh, you've got Key obviously sitting in front of the back four, pinging balls about, or, or at least trying to trying to get them to the wide men who will create something something magical from there. We've certainly got the potential to. to um, to create things with the wide men, you've got Jagarini and Johnson. Johnson's not notoriously a very, you know, a very eye-catching player, but he has he has his moments. You've seen him try the the occasional near post shot, which he's beaten Joe Hart. Probably not the, the best example of the moment. <laughs> he's, he's beaten him a few times with that, and uh, he's certainly got the he's certainly got it about him. Whether he whether he performs or not is a is a different. I think you, I've seen an upturn in Johnson's performance graph Saturday. What do you think of that, Adam Johnson? I, I was quite impressed. Mildly yeah. impressed. Yeah, he did all right. People I speak to who went to the game said he was one of the standout players. Well, you look at the game really, and talked about it before about staying in the game. You, you know, if you stay in the game, you can nick it. Um, and that's you know when it's tight in the Premier League, you can accumulate points that way. If you if you do, you know, you've got a bit more of a solid bat line, and I think that's something that we have seen. You know, but it's it's just you know Johnson did did play okay. But they all, I thought they all did all right. I don't think anyone had a particularly bad game. I just, you know, I thought we were probably the dominant side in the first 20 minutes, goal against run of play, and then, you know, the sending off. But we weren't out of the game at one nil. Um, mm. You know, there was time to, there was time to come back into it. But it's it's sort of been a bit of a funny start, hasn't it? It's been a bit. Every game seems to have had, you know, a story, a, a story behind yeah. something like, you know. An exceptional circumstance. The only one that probably hasn't is the uh, Man City game. The rest of them, you know, it's, there's something always something something go on or some sort of subplot mm. that kind of makes it difficult to judge the actual. I think the actual could, game itself. I mean, you could argue Seb Larson should have been sent off against Man oh, City. Yeah, I guess no, no. could have. Yeah, um, which I think we have got to remember. But <laughs> the annoying thing about it is that if you had that incident, if you could swap them situations round, you would because. If Man City beat you, you know their three points is pretty irrelevant to you. But Stoke, you hand and Stoke three points, aren't you? That was that's the big difference, isn't it? Well, I'd be soul destroyed if Man City beat us at home. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I'd become accustomed to it. Yeah, well, exactly. But it's um, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it now. We've brought it up. Um, the red card. The, the, the most annoying thing, Kristen, for me is not the decision. You know, he's got it wrong. We all know that now. He's um, been suspended. Oh. Maybe not, but you know they've dressed it up. However, they dressed it up. He's, he's been suspended. Res Browns now available for the next game. Humans do make mistake, Alice. But this is now considering I'm not sold on the Catamaran red card against Hull. This is now, which I know that one's more debatable, but this is now well over a half of football that we've had to play. The Gus Poyets had to set his side up 
without eleven men. That's got to affect his. That's got to affect his game plan, obviously. It's yeah, of course. It's. It, I think I saw a statistic at the weekend that Sunderland have got the worst disciplinary record of of twenty thirteen. Something like seven red cards. That's not something you can keep uh, a habit of. You can't sustain that. Yeah, I mean, if there's a a crumb of comfort to take from it, at no point has the side capitulated when you've been down to 10 men. So it it suggests that the way he sets them up has some kind of stability to it and some kind of calmness because they don't just, as I say, capitulate. Um, The the Catamol red card, I can see decent enough arguments for both sides of it, if I'm honest. I can see why he could very easily have stayed on the pitch. I can also see why someone with his reputation has shown a red card which is wrong you should judge it on you know the the incident as it is but that's the unfortunate byproduct of, of his career as it is so far i think he, he's got to keep them disciplined from now on though the the only one that really is a little bit concerning was the desena one because i've never seen him do that before mm. i'm still not entirely sure what is his so that was motivation out of character was. then oh completely I, i've still got no idea what he was thinking he was doing there right it's interesting gareth it doesn't mm. seem there wasn't a lot you could take from the game where you would say because of the sending off where you could say okay that needs changing that needs changing which is in stark contrast to when De Canio was here it's got to be said yeah um, you know I think they did all I said I thought the both goals against from the play and you know we had a good spell after the after the sending off in the second half probably a good 20 minutes where we tried to sort of you know keep the ball in their half and Fletch pick, had a good chance yeah, as well yeah play, uh, f- well you know, is that, I'll come to you, Chris. Is that something concerns you, Fletcher's form? It, he's, bear in mind that you know, yes, he, he doesn't. He's playing a system where he isn't getting a lot of chances. However, Martin O'Neill also played a system where he wasn't creating a lot, getting a lot of chances, but his conversion rate was much higher. The only difference is, of course, Martin O'Neill's side didn't have the ball, where Poyot's side do have the ball. But Fletcher still find himself quite isolated, and the chances are few and far between. Well, you know, I hate to say it because I, I love Stephen Fletcher and I think everyone does, but um, you look at the goal he scored against Fulham last year when they went down to 10, uh, the long ball from the back, and he took it took it down, I think took one touch and buried it. You know, that's Fletcher in form, he can do that. I, I think that chance against Stoke at the weekend was guilt-edged, to be honest. I think he really should have scored that. Changes the whole complexion of the game it as really well, does. It? He's, he's got one of the lowest uh, touch-per-minute rates in the league as well, which mm. I thought was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not like Alador is going to run about no. and search for the ball. He, but um, we all know that, of course. He sort of got the wrong side of the ball, didn't he? He sort of misjudged it when he got in and then he left himself with a, a difficult chance. Um, he could have taken it around the goalkeeper, actually, given the way he, ended, the way he sort of ended up. Body shape-wise, with the keeper, I thought he might have tried to just nick it past him, but mm-hmm. you know he was closed out too quickly, but... And if he didn't slip when Begovic tried to decapitate him, but, I mean <laughs> that would, that's I mean, go, I mean to, you know, it's going. But I posted the gif up on the um, on the Twitter account in the week, and he just despairing when people are going freezing. Res Brown's tackle and looking at how many inches off the floor somebody's foot is, and then the Begovic one where he's four foot in the air, mm. kicking him in the chest. Well, and that's not that type of player. Though. Like, but it's, ridi- it's just <laughs> ridiculous. I can't. I can't understand. I just can't understand. Like it's all these. So going back to this, like I know Steve is like I don't really want to talk about the said enough thing. But having said that, um, <laughs> he, gets, just, he then I, pulls out a list. No, of I just, I just, it just baffles me. It's like the, the the new football cliches now that are surrounding sendings off. It's like both foot in the air, excessive force, dangerous tackle, high challenge, all, all this stuff. And it's like it's like this ticky box list. 
and that doesn't exist in the laws of the game anywhere. I mean, if it's dangerous, it's dangerous. If it isn't, it isn't. And that that's what you've got to judge it on. And I just don't get this thing about people analysing. It's like studs up, two foot in the air or whatever. It's not It's not in the laws of the game. I mean, traditional dangerous player would you know, often be something yellow card, wouldn't it? But Kristen, that, I mean, that Begovic tackle, I, I was surprised how long that sort of took to the surface. I know a lot of Southern fans were concentrating on the brown one. I tweeted... You know, almost instantly after he was made. If that's a centre midfielder making that tackle in the middle of the park, he goes off. As a fact, he's a goalkeeper. Sort of give him a stay of execution there. I, I think completely. I think the fact that it, he's a goalkeeper, and if you look how many goalkeepers come out with their leg up in that same way, um, not necessarily to catch the player. I think just to ward them off of sorts, because no striker really wants to jump at a boot with metal studs mm. on the bottom of it. Um, but unfortunately, he's caught him. I must admit, I had no real clue myself as to whether it was a rig a bit like Catamon I could see more than strong enough cases I, I, for both I would, sides I would norm, you know, ordinarily normally probably say a yellow card would, would suffice but, I would say a penal, but, penalty but, and a yellow card I would say a yellow card would suffice however mm. he'd set the tone by yeah, sending he, he Wes did, Brown off so that's, that's the thing isn't it put himself in, in that mould the thing about that whole situation for me as well is that the, in, in my opinion the goalkeeper once he gets there he's got no right to go for that ball because he's got to, he's come out to, to sweep up a dangerous situation. He's trying to put Fletcher off going for the yeah. ball, hasn't he? he yeah. But he he can't catch he's it. Tried he can't it. head it. He's not well. He, he's not willing to be brave enough to head the ball. Mm. So he he's gone. Well, my only option is to lunge forward, lunge yeah. for a ball that I've got no right to go for. And I, that that's my that's my biggest issue with it. I think the goalkeeper's just you know he's he's cheated. He's bet he's he's broken the rules. He's he's gone for the ball high foot, and it should be should have been a, a, a penalty in a and, and a yellow card I think would have been fair. Mm-hmm. Um, in the context of the game, though, like you say, the brown one. If he's going to send brown yeah, off, yeah. then you've you've got to you've got to uh, send off Begovic. You mm-hmm. have to wonder if the fact it's Stoke as well, without wanting to kind of you know <laughs> stereotype them too yeah. much. The fact that maybe referees go with a mentality of you know it's going to be more physical. I probably need to be a bit more lax with with what I do things here. Yeah, I mean, it's tackling isn't allowed though. <laughs> I mean, well, that's the thing. They claim I, I read a report at the weekend. They claim they get ninety four point one percent of key decisions correct. Now the problem is key decision is quite subjective. Yeah. It, it could be a corner or anything. So unfortunately, that's the six percent. I guess I'm, or the I'm, five point nine. We must have five five of that six percent. <laughs> I'm pitching. Like I'm pitching the decision review system. I, honestly, I, I just think I don't know why it isn't happening and. It, for so many reasons, talking about it before, I just think, you know, the decision review system would stop, would not only correct decisions like that, it would give responsibility to players on the pitch. It would give responsibility to the captain to make that decision, whether or not he reviews it. It would stop players from um, dissent because the referee just says to them, right then, review it then, if you think I'm wrong, and then you'll see. And then if it's wrong, then they'll think again. If a player dives and then and the guy knows he's dived, review it. He's a dive, and then and then there's retrospective rules to come in. Then talking about retrospectively banning people, you can retrospectively ban people in the game mm-hmm. because you're looking at it, and there's no reason why in that situation you're going to go right. He's definitely dived. We've seen it on the video. You're off and, and send him off. Don't don't book him, and then it stops it. So you're not only correcting bad decisions in the game, you're helping the referee because I don't I don't go along with this whole the referee should be you know. Crucified because it's not going to help anybody. The referee's just going to get worse, but he's still going to be getting games. He's not going to feel confident in what he's doing. If he's given opportunity and that support, 
to make the right decisions and everyone knows there's human error and everyone's honest about it, then it just there's a shared responsibility between the players and the referee to get the right decision and it'll it'll in the end I think it'll eradicate a lot of the the problems in the game with regards to cheating and stuff like that. My um, issue, my what issue. do you discuss in the pub afterwards? <laughs> that's, that's the argument, isn't it? My issue, my issue I'd rather referee. discuss a win, well, to be honest. Well, that's the thing. It's a, it's the referee and the officiating, I've, just the problem I've got with it is, it's you know a bit like the way we complain about football clubs being their own entity, having their own media outlet, and referee, they're, they're kind of making it like an art form. Um, they're getting away, they're breaking away from the fact that it's just refereeing a game of football. They're not allowed to use a common sense, do things at their discretion. It's guidelines, guidelines, guidelines. As Gareth said earlier, tick boxes, tick boxes, and it's just football isn't like that. And I know that you know certainly going back to the seventies and eighties, they were they were they were trying to set up something where ex players got involved to be referees. Mm. You can certainly see why. In this day and age, does a modern footballer need <laughs> need to go through that? Probably not from a financial point of view, but. Um, that would be my that would be my you know overriding issue with the whole thing that they're just they're trying to they're bringing on themselves they're separating themselves from everybody mm. they make the self-importance you know the pompous nature of it all. But how does the media the the media affect refereeing decisions that you know retrospectively in future games you know referees aren't you know deaf and dumb well well <laughs> um, but careful. Um, <laughs> This going to hear and see things through the week, and you know the, we've talked about the cliches before that keep on getting recycled. That's got to get into their psyche, and there's no way that you, they can make those decisions rationally at times. And that's fair enough. You know, I can I can understand that's that. That's an important that, thing for me when people are saying referees should come out and have to explain themselves afterwards. I'm I wouldn't lean towards that because, like Gareth just said, there sometimes you lose your rationale and everything in the heat of a moment, and. You know, Christian, work, working in the media yourself, you know that sometimes journalists can get brave when they're sitting with their buddies and somebody's somebody's at the end of the um, end of a stage and they've got the hit, the mates to hide behind. And referees would cop a lot of abuse, wouldn't they? And it wouldn't be it wouldn't be necessary. I think it would be it's something of a kangaroo court. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I don't see the benefit of it. And I mean, you know, as you rightly say, I, I just think maybe a statement them, later on or well, something. I don't even think that. I just think if you can give the referee a tool to to enhance his potential performance, in this case, video review, why not? Why not do it? Why not make his job as easy as possible, so that again, you you almost remove the opportunity for him to make a mistake because the video is there to be analysed. It's it's a, so much pressure. There's to a put likelihood on one that we're going to the likelihood we're going to see this depending on how this goal line thing works. Gareth and I were talking before the podcast came on and we said, you know, we, it hasn't it hasn't been used yet. Unbelievably, um, I, I'm pretty clear that it would it will run smoothly. I've always campaigned for it, so th- this is going to be a good benchmark, isn't it? Well, I saw it briefly um, the Sunderland Arsenal game actually mm. when when Altidore's it, it did flash up on the, the small television screens that we had that it was a goal. Um, it didn't make much difference on the the actual situation. <laughs> yeah, but have shown it to Martin Atkinson. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, unfortunately, it's screwed down. Otherwise, <laughs> I would have um, happily passed it over. But I mean, it, at least theoretically, you know, mm. it kind of worked. Taking amateur boxing, all the boxing judges have a, bu- a button to press or something. Even if you do that, <laughs> you try to go quickly, and like more than one Wave. people looked at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're getting carried away here again. We're trying to get back to the football. Well, it's just a discussion point thing as well. No, that's an argument and. The discussion in the pub, but you know, cricket's got DRS, and I'm a big cricket fan. And there's plenty. There's always discussion points in in those games. So, see, my my issue isn't isn't kind of on the spot challenges and stuff. It's it's um when a ref books a player, he can't 
like the FA or whoever it is can't respectively ban that yeah. player. It's like if he if he it's doesn't see it, back they can't. The, it's back to the guidelines thing, isn't it? Too yeah. many guidelines, too many tick boxes. You're just getting the way. There's the, no the, discretion the, the, left yeah, the making out like it's you know it's its own thing, it's its own entity, an art form. Like I said before, and it isn't. It's refereeing a game of football, and it's they should be able to use their discretion. You know, I know they get mic'd up in rugby. That's a whole different argument again. But trying to get back to football now, Chris. Any any particular? I mean, like I said earlier, it's hard to judge. One thing I've noticed: we've been quite critical of, of Seb Larsen on here. I noticed off the ball against Stoke, I thought he was excellent. There was a couple of counter attacks. He stopped. Well, I don't know why it was for the Charlie Adam goal, but mm-hmm. well, the thing is with defending the Charlie Adam goal, um, I don't think as a manager you can teach players to make late runs. Like you've, you've no, got you shouldn't players. have to. It should be yeah. yeah well, distinctive. you've got players who've made made a career off that Frank Lampard and Kevin Nolan to an extent. I hate to say it, but he's he's really good at making those late runs into the box and and following up. And if you're playing one up front. You really need have, one of your midfielders. Yeah, you've got to have a player doing that. I, I don't think we've got a player who has that naturally in his game. And I said, I, I don't think you can teach it. You can certainly, you can certainly try. You can have people making late runs in the box, but then again, you're just going to have less men forward. And ultimately, you want players in the box waiting there to to nod crosses in or whatever. You know, Jagarini, I think's got got that instinct. Well, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's funny you say that. I seem to remember the last time I was here, we discussed Gilfie Sigurdsson potentially joining the club. There's. You could argue at Swansea he was exactly that kind of player. He came in January mm. and just sat in that role perfectly and, and mm. scored a number of goals. That's going to be fascinating. The Poyet in the in the transfer market depend on mm. how much yeah. how much power he's got there. But I think the thing is, Gareth as well. The difference with this game now going to Villa game because it's a weird Poyet in every game he's lost so far. He's came back and he's won the next game but it's been games at home. Mm. He now hasn't got a home comfort, so this is going to be a, an extra sort of challenge, isn't it? Definitely. And uh, having watched Villa the other night, um, they did really well to get back into the game um, after going have a disastrous start. Um, so it's going to be diff- really difficult, I think. Um, but if we can just get through the 90 minutes without getting somebody sent off, or something ridiculous happening like that out the, like an out the door goal that's not a goal or a or something like that and just get through the game and then you know I want to I want to see I want to see how we react to the defeat um with you know that this this new um sort of uh, style that we've implemented mm-hmm. through Poet personally well, we're going to speak to Chris Nee now who is the core editor for In Bed with Maradona and he's a host of the Aston Villa podcast the Aston Villa Review so Chris Nee I want to ask you first of all how is the mood in the camp and a, a draw away in a derby I suppose isn't bad generally but when you come from two goals down you must be delighted yeah the mood's pretty good as you would expect uh, after 15 minutes it was looking pretty grim but you come back from, from 2-0 down in a derby game particularly when the, the reverse happened last season uh, nobody wants to lose those games and I think having the game against Sunderland coming up so quickly on top of it is, is a good way to capitalise mm-hmm. And seven points I was reading today Chris that Villa have in games coming from behind and compare that to Sunderland zero <laughs> you'll be thinking if you score first you'll be more than okay Yeah we've actually not conceded a goal from a winning position this season which is a massive turnaround There's another stat then Oh great (laughs) The infamous infamous fails of last season where we would would be 3-1 up with with five minutes left and remaining really nervous Um, and and we're 
holding points we should be holding and we're not giving up points uh, too cheaply this season and it's a testament to Paul Lambert's changes to our defence which are whether they're coaching or psychological but certainly not necessarily personnel but it's, it's light years better than, than we were last time. Mm, we've, Kristen and Edge, we've got a smaller scope to work with with Poyet since he's been at Sunderland, but six games, three wins out of those six. You know, we can't forget that. That's you know We went ages without a win, months without a win. We've now won half of the games he's been here. And also, to go with that stat we're talking about, Villa there, Chris has just said they've never lost a game from going in front. They've got the most points coming back in the games. Two very good very good stats in their favour. However, in the games Poyet's won, we've scored first, so we haven't. You know, we went on a win every game we scored first under Poyet so far. Yes, though. Yeah, those it's, stats it's are a big true. improvement, isn't it? Yeah. It, uh, he's, he, he looks like he's come in and, and settled things down a little bit. I know you look at the league results with what is it? It's a win loss, win loss, isn't it? Sort of pattern at the moment, but um, you throw in the Southampton result as well, which is you know no mean feat at the moment. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Regardless of which, which teams, both teams put out in, in the cup, and, and it starts to look like a much improved situation, which I think probably was inevitable after, after De Canio's poor start to the season. I, 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 yeah, I completely agree. I think, as I've written already, Di Canio's, uh, Poye rather, Poye's changes have <laughs> been, <laughs> Poye uh, sorry, all, all, all habits die very hard. Um, Poye's changes have been minute but impactful in the same instance. Um, just in terms of shifting the formation, in terms of how he's told certain players to play, I think. It looks like a different side, doesn't it? Yeah, I think key is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go the, on. The, 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 pun, the, the puns write the themselves player, yeah. in, on this one, but I think. The change in him, or the or the the quickness with which he's been implemented as a vital part of this side, he says, trying desperately not to use puns, um, <laughs> in the same way that he used uh, Liam Bridcut. The Liam Bridcut role, yeah. we, we've called that the key yeah, role, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that the way he's implemented him already, um, and seemed to kind of, you know, traverse his confidence issues, because he doesn't look like someone who's, who's lacking in confidence at the minute, um, I think it's been a huge bonus. And in truth, it's it's one of the reasons I could actually see Sunderland winning at the weekend. Mm. Interesting, Gareth Lee Catamol is available again. Mm. Now a lot of people have, 
you know, assume, you know, compared Lee Catamol with Key because of this deep line midfield role. Because Catamol, I mean, we've, we've touched on this in, in the podcast last week. Lee Catamol is known for his deep line role. It's a very different deep line role. He doesn't dictate in that. He doesn't dictate play in any shape or form. So if he's going to come back into contention, it's more likely to be ahead of Jack Colback or Seb Larson, isn't it? Yeah, I don't mind. I'd, if I was going to bring him back in, it'd be for Larson. Right. Personally, mm-hmm. um, it, it would just, I think, solidify that midfield three a bit more and give a bit of freedom to the uh, to, to the, the wide players. There's an option there; you could sh- swap Larson out wide and you know bring Jackarini central. I mean, I know Wade dying to say that, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. You know, I just think for Jackarini to be fully effective, um, you know, I just I just think you know he should be playing through mm-hmm. the middle. But well, Chris Thompson. Um, what we're seeing there, we've said in recent weeks and touched on it earlier on that Larson does very—he's very good off the ball in, in a three-man midfield. He does a lot of that work. We're yet to see a creative spark from him. So in that respect, replacing him for Catamol, we wouldn't be losing too much. And again, we want to tighten up. Would you see Catamol come back into the side, or would you leave things as they are? Well, you can't take Key out for for Catamol. No, no, certainly not. It's going to be Callback call or Larson, isn't it? Uh, I agree. Keep Callback in there because. Um, would you bring Catamol in though, or not? Uh, it's a hard one, really. I, you can't say we've played exceptionally well with those three players because it's kind of, you know, fifty-fifty. Um, if he wants to shake things up and and put Cal, uh, put sorry, so many C players, cut more back in there. <laughs> uh, it's like, you know, he's he's going to offer more defensive work. Certainly, if you want to bring the fullbacks pushing pushing up forward, which seems to be Poyet's kind of trademark, mm-hmm. then uh, having cut more there is going to be a lot better because you maybe he'll pick up the Charlie Adams. Who'll uh, run into the box late and, and try and uh, and try and score? You know, I don't know if um, Chris Nee, if what what you think about Catamol coming is Catamol coming back into the team? Um, something you'd fear from a Villa perspective? Like, not, I, I don't mean in the sense that worry for the <laughs> lives of the players that are on the pitch in a Villa shirt, but that well, that is the, the cartoon picture of him, isn't it? And I think that's it's pretty pretty much uh, shared through most opposition fans. Um, I don't know uh, if I fear it so much because we play so often in a way that tends to isolate our strikers anyway. We don't really have anybody operating in an area where Cathamol does his damage. So it's not as if we have a really creative influence at the top of the midfield who's there to be picked off by somebody like Cathamol. We actually kind of play not around so much because we have very little width for the most part, but quite often over where you would expect Catamol to be doing most of his destructive play. Mm. Um, I do fear slightly for the lives of some of our players, though, because <laughs> we, we do have some feedback. Don't buy into the media hype, Chris. Don't buy into the media uh, hype. It's, um, we've got much legs. Yeah, so a lot, I noticed a lot of your big guns were out. Uh, were sitting on the bench against West Brom, Chris. Was there a reason for that? Gabby and Yeah, they, they've been injured, though. Right, OK. Those so, uh, Vyman, um has been out of form and fitness, uh, to be completely blunt. Um, You'll find Gabby it again. Is, very injury prone and, and um, yeah there's been a couple of, of, of players coming in but it's Delph really that has been the big one uh, and his return hopefully will be the most important of those three because actually Agbon Lahore and Vyman uh, they popped up at crucial times last season and have done in previous seasons as well but their impact so far this term has been pretty limited uh, and it's Delph that's really stood up to be counted and, and we could do with him back as soon as possible um, I'm often talking about law of averages, so I'm hoping that because Ben Taker got a hat trick in this fixture last season, he isn't due for another one. And because we got a player sent off in the fixture last season, and we've had two players sent off in the well, last two away games, Gareth, that 
can we can we draw on that? Can we can we think we'll be okay? Can we assume mm. we'll be okay? Law of averages. Well, the the law of Sunderland. The six dictates, one. The so. six one. You mentioned yeah. off 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 Mike there. Six one was almost a defining game in the yeah. in the de- um, in the yeah. decline of the Canio. Yeah. It? Well, don't, probably best not dwell on that today. But um, yeah, just you know, going back to Benteke and say the law of Sunderland dictates that Benteke hasn't scored in how long is it? Quite a while. Uh, six, I think now. Six oh, games. Well, he'll be uh, chalking his boots up in the dressing room on on Saturday afternoon, and because it tends to be the case. But I noticed that Benteke against West Brom was dropping quite deep in the first half to try and pick up the ball. You were saying that you don't have really player at the top of the midfield, a creative player that Catamore might get involved with. Well, I was surprised at how deep Benteke was getting at times, trying to get involved in the game. I don't know if that's something he does a lot of because he was struggling in the first half. And I didn't really notice him a lot in the second half. He's He's been um, pretty much injured the whole time he's been playing, I think. He's had this, this injury that he picked up at Norwich. Um, got brought back into contention while he was out with the, the Belgian team. Uh, and then in the more recent transfer, uh, sorry, international window, he was actually taken out of training with the injury as well. So he's been playing at 70% max I think and it, it really does tell and then we've, we've got this gap between the midfield uh, and the strikers so he's, he's been double marked isolated everything you don't want so your strikers a, to be does a midfield uh, get and on, on Monday he was playing with with, uh, with Lee Kozak as well and he's got many attributes some of them a little bit ropey but a number 10 he's not so in order to create something just to, to bridge that part of the team Ben Secker was the only one who could could drop in there um, and he's, he's one of these players who's desperate to get involved if he's having a quiet game as well so he will roam slowly So is it, has it not been an option to go more direct then what you're saying is do the back, do the midfield not get bypassed if, if he's not involved in the game is Lambert's sort of philosophy to the extent where they like to keep the ball that much he's having to drop deep and look for the ball then are you not likely to pump the ball long for him? We're not averse to pumping the ball long at the best of times to be honest it does happen uh, Brad Guzan particularly has a little bit of a tendency to, to look long when he can. Uh, we've been playing centre-backs at left-back um, in the absence of Antonio Luna and Joe Bennett. And, you know, the, the tendency there can also be to look up and see, particularly recently, Kozak and Benteke there. And it's an easy outball. Uh, so it's not something that's alien to our game by any stretch. And generally, unfortunately, it doesn't really work for us. We had a game against West Ham not too long ago and it was just ugly that, that was the, <laughs> the main approach for us that day and it was ugly so uh, Christian Nage you've just mentioned there then there's a little bit of positive positivity from your perspective for coming to this game yeah I, I, I don't see why not I think again if, if Filler are going to be blunt and Benteke watching him on Monday I just thought he looks like a striker kind of out of form there's just that there's not that same confidence about him and I think that's probably as as Chris alluded to there because he's been injured because he's not feeling 100% um, and so again you know I'm sure I don't have to remind you of the old Michael Chopra goal that got you a 1-0 win there a couple of seasons ago mm. I think there's every chance that could happen again um, just because we had a decent record of a before last season we, we used to yeah we used to do alright yeah yeah we and had then, that um, nil-nil draw where Benton had a 
good goal disallowed for mm. offside as well. Last year, last year, I was just saying again off mic. Last year, it just sticks in the memory for me. It's always stick in the memory for the rest of my life because I was talking to the Canio on the eve of that game. <laughs> we just beat Everton. We just beat Newcastle. He was speaking, so you're hanging on his every word, and he was saying, "No, oh, this this is like our Champions League final. If we win this game, we stay up." And of course, we got annihilated six-one. Chris Thompson, if Ben Tech is out of form. Then uh, the red card being rescinded for Wes Brown could be huge, couldn't it? Yeah, very much so. I mean, Ben Tech, I've got a mate who's a Villa fan, and he he says that he was surprised that um, that Villa didn't cash in on Ben Tech because he thinks he's very much an instinctive striker, and he's the type of player who, when when things are not going his way, down, yeah, yeah, he's, he's just the type of player who's, who's got the ball at his feet, he'll turn towards goal and have a strike no matter where he is. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily a bad thing because it's, it, many of them went in from last season. Um, I think Villa uh, really are lacking that cutting edge when Benteke is not informed. They've got Gabriel Agbonlaho who will consistently be all right and he'll mm-hmm. have moments of magic. But I think apart from that, um, they've got a few decent wide men. But I think I think Wes Brown will offer us. A massive boost, especially away from home, because yeah. because Roberge, I don't think he's up to it defensively. Mm. Well, well, it's interesting about Roberge. You got you got Prius Gareth, didn't he? After the yeah. um, the Stoke game, it's it's a player who we we all kind of jumped to the assumption he might play under Poyet because he he likes to pass the ball on the floor. Or she is now, you know, his performance levels have risen since Wes Brown's been introduced. Is it just Wes Brown? Does he have this effect on everybody? Um, it seems like he does, doesn't it? Maybe. I mean, Wes Brown's a very good player, but. And he, we probably need him because he's probably the quickest of our centre halves aside from DK, who's he's been injured and he doesn't seem to be much in the picture. Um, so I don't know if Chris Knee feels that that's certainly somewhere where they'd be targeting hurting us because we got done for pace last season. We, I mean, we had Quaylar, who I mean, Chris will know himself what that Quaylar isn't exactly the uh, an Olympic sprinter, but you know they'll get him behind us. And I don't know if that's somewhere where you feel you could hurt us, Chris. I think it would be. Uh, we do like to use pace when we can. That tends to take the form of counter-attacking when possible, and, and that is one of the big reasons why our home form is, is not a patch on our away form. So it may be difficult, and unfortunately, we are where we are in the league and have been lately because our home form is, is pretty much dependent on how the away team approaches the game. Mm. If they're willing to come at us, get involved in a game of football we can pick them off like we can pick teams off away from home mm-hmm. we really struggle uh, with, with teams who are willing to come and sit and you know teams don't come to Villa and play for a nil-nil they play for a one-nil because we're always good to concede a goal well, and it works brilliantly for a lot of teams to come and visit us so I think we will be reliant on pace it's just whether we have the opportunity to actually get in behind and really use it so you know that fills me with confidence a little because Poya does like his sides to sit back uh, Gareth doesn't he and, and play yeah. football but we had this discussion with Mark Holmes from Stoke last week and he was saying pretty much exactly the same thing and yeah. that all went pear-shaped again, didn't it? But this is, it's all well and good. You know, we all we all praise and poets the change. It's been vast since he's been here. The side look totally different. They seem to know what they're doing, where, the, where they're playing. And if it, we're saying all this and we've mentioned that he's won his home games, three out of three. But to stay in the Premier League, we can't rely on this fix- heavy fixture list after mm. Christmas because we aren't going to win all those home games that we should on paper. It just doesn't work like that. Mm. So we need we need now to pick up, start yeah. picking up points away from home. I mean, the Villa game be one we'll tar- we'll be targeting anyway, like no, you would normally. And I'm sure Villa are look- looking at us, and you know they'll be seeing Sunderland, the team who've been poor all season, at bottom of the league, and that's how they look at it. And I'm sure Chris, you know, 
will feel that. Mm-hmm. Oh, but absolutely. You know, we're, they're, they're, that's a team. But they were, were you ripe for, you know, three points. So, mm. but yeah, it's an interesting one, Chris. So before I let you go, can we get a prediction from you for Saturday? Yeah, I I am pretty confident. I've got to say, unfortunately. Uh, largely because of, of the way the game ended on Monday, so I'm, I'm going for a 2-1 Villa win. We won't keep a clean sheet. Mm. I think we've got a couple of goals in us, and I think we've, we've got a bit of a lift from that last result. So, yeah, Villa win, I'm afraid. OK, that's no problem. I don't think anybody was expecting anything else, <laughs> anything else from you, really. But um, nice to speak to you, Chris. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Cheers. Are we all in agreement, then, Chris Thompson, that the, the thing... You know, we can sit here until we're blue in the face and, and be mourn referee decisions and Gareth mentioned earlier there games have had every game seen had a storyline to it, but you know, enough's gotta be enough soon. Sunderland are gonna need to pick up one, if not three points on the road somewhere against a side that I don't think Villa will be down there, but they're not gonna be up there. Well it's certainly a winnable game on paper, you know. Um you have these thoughts in your head about about top four clubs, clubs that you that you'll go away and you'll and you'll concede defeat, you know. And, and Villa's not one of those, unfortunately, um, for them. Um, you know, it, it's really hard to analyse Poyet's tactics so far because, as you say, every every game Certainly has got a games, story. Yeah. 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 Um, apart from maybe the cup game, which is kind of cup games are weird anyway, you know, because you're never going to play a strong side. And Southampton didn't didn't play mm. their strongest side. Um, I think if we do get these three points on the road, or at least a point, a point would be lovely on the road, you know, mm-hmm. given our form. Um, I think we can we can work from there. And this is this is all in the run up to January because we really need to start fig- thinking about who we're actually going to bring in in January. Mm-hmm. Um, are our players actually up to 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 fill in that fill in that positions? Should we should we offload mm-hmm. some of them? You know, I don't I don't think we should. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be. A Probably the most fascinated I've been, and coming to um, tra- come to a transfer window, something well, fascinating. The last summer, I think everyone was pretty fascinated yeah, about how it would go. Yeah, but it, 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 equally fascinating because it's it's changed so dramatically, hasn't mm. it? Um, but so you were kind of leaning towards a draw there, Chris. Could I get an exact prediction from you? I don't think we've got goals in us, put it that way. But uh, I'm an optimist. I'll just go for a two-one, just because it's bog standard. I'll just say <laughs> two-one to Sunderland. <laughs> it's not bog standard for Sunderland. <laughs> <laughs> Gareth, um, I think it'll be a good game, and you know, I I would have quite liked that. You know, if we'd won against Stoke, it just takes the pressure off. But but we didn't. We didn't. So <laughs> you know, I love us. I love it if we got the win. But I just fancy a draw, two-two. I'm gonna two say. Two. Yeah, fancy fancy us to. You know, we've got to score two in a game more mm. than once eventually. So. So if you go by the stats, we'll, that'll mean we'll go two 0 up and concede two. Kristen, <laughs> I, I I think one nil. I think it'll be very, very scrappy. I don't think it'll be the the best game in the in the world, given the description of, that Chris gave of Villa's play at times. Mm. Now I'm going to go for one nil. Now I don't know what this means because I'm normally the most negative one here, so I don't know if I'm. Mm. You know, we can't really gauge what will happen because of weird games. I never judge us. I just, I think, you know, we we will. We will pinch a win on the road. We will pinch a few wins on the road under Poyet because of the way he sides set up and because of his record and the way we play when we go a goal up. And it's whether Villa have enough to come back and break us down. Now, I know they've got a decent record for it, but as Chris was saying, talking about the way they play there, I, I just fancy us to soak it up 1 0. I'm going to go for. Right, I'm going to do the question of the week now. I'm going to hand you over to Gareth. Yeah, so we've got a prize this week. 
Um, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a t-shirt from Rock Streetwear, which you'll be able to choose. Um, so there's no set one, you can pick whichever one you want. Um, and the question was if you could uh, design a Sunderland t-shirt, um, what would it be? Um, so yeah, there were some. There was a few answers came in. Some decent ones received some artwork that people sent in. So I've picked the winner this week because we mm. can. <laughs> so I have because he's a dic- it's a dictatorship. Yeah, I thought you want to say something else then. <laughs> yeah, one of them as well. Yeah, aye, thanks. <laughs> so yeah, um, so <clears throat> let's be back to the old I Tony Hart music. For my oh, love, <laughs> that's for you, Kristen. This shocked me there, didn't I, with that one? Appropriate tune I think so the answers we had Gareth Stephen with it was a, a an image he sent in it was a the stadium of light and some supporters and it said this is my religion on it it was quite yeah, good we're actually retweet the, the will, yeah we'll retweet so they can so yeah. for context for the we'll retweet listening. the pictures because pictures don't work on <laughs> radio um, John Ridley had a, sort of a bit of an emotive one. Said so my dad took me to Roker Park. That's where it all began. I love SAFC on a T-shirt. All of that on a T-shirt. All of that on a T-shirt. It's a big T-shirt. Uh, Dan Kelly, uh, keep calm. I don't punch horses. I'm not a fan of the keep calm <laughs> slogan thing, so <laughs> I've, I've, I could have vetoed that one, but it was kind. Uh, the pub corner said, uh, if I become a goalkeeper, can I keep people in the chest too? Lee Catamore quote that could be um, Luke Bowley um, we had a bit of a theme uh, with uh, these sorts of t-shirts before about sort of rubbish t-shirts that could celebrate our inane garbage over the years and he came up with a scoreboard reading the 18th to the 10th 2003 Sunderland 1 Walsall 0 Stewart 42nd minute <laughs> and Marcus Stewart's giant face next to it Um Nick Holden, as he originally suggested, uh, Sunderland goal scorers, October 2012. It's just a blank T-shirt, that yeah. one. Um, that was from the same series of rubbish T-shirts. Um, Lee Moran did quite a nice uh, image-based one. It was uh, The idea was there, and it was a uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World take on things. And it had Gus Poyet and uh, John O'Shea next to each other, and all the people who've wronged us behind him uh, this season, which is uh, an extensive list. Um Brendan O'Donnell. This was quite a good one, actually. It was um, how to celebrate next year's 135th anniversary, and it was like a picture with uh, uh, James Allen on it, the guy who invented some, created Sunderland Football Club. Um, Alex Lee had uh, 40 years of hurt, but with Velcro ones, two, three, four, five, six, <laughs> and seven, so on, so you could just change it, change the number as you went, which is pretty good. Um, the top two. Um, the winners edged it because they sent a photo in um, JLC Tush had this good one if he'd done this up in Photoshop then he would have won I reckon um, The Last Supper with Poyet as Christ the starting 11 as the Disciples with the 12th Bardo as Judas and uh, maybe the Canio on the back with horns he could, and have, drew all, he could have drew all he that. could have done that couldn't he that's pretty good good idea yeah yeah but he could have drew all that you couldn't have expected him to do yeah. Could have. Take a couple of nights out of yeah. his life, and the music's finished just nicely in time to to award the winner. To if we had a sound clip of a drum roll, would um, insert that around I here. Couldn't be bothered to sort that out as well today. I'm mm-hmm. hungover. Um, Tom Elliott uh, was the winner, um, and it was a it was a tattoo I think that he's got, and it was hand drawn, and it's um, it's a black cat um, with SEFC above the top. I've got a picture of it. I'm going to show it to people in the studio so they can nod in agreement and accept that it is a, a worthy winner. <laughs> you just have to take his word for it. Yeah, and we'll it's go got, with um, the podcast unfriendly winner. Yeah, and it's got uh, the acronym Ethics 
next to it the it's the hope I can't stand. So there was the winner. It's quite a nice effort, I think. <laughs> no, you having that? That looks a lot like this player. Yeah, you having that? That's that's that is very nice. uh, yeah. yes, style. Yeah, everyone it gets a lot of agreement mm. from everyone. Didn't in have the a studio. choice. Well, you know, sometimes that's how it works. We've gone to Canio. <laughs> we're dictating. We're dictating in here now. Mm, you have a so, dick word as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you, did anybody have one? Or not? I I was kind of just going to piggyback on Luke and Nick, the lads from the Rock Report there, and just say to make us the opposite effect to try and make us look good just list all the promotion campaigns <laughs> we've ever had and then that would cover the front and the back because we go up that much because we're that yeah. much of a yo-yo yeah. team in a similar way to a side like Liverpool and Man U would have top flight win <laughs> title yeah. winning seasons yeah. on there and that would just it would be good PR disguise a little bit maybe if we go down I wouldn't really <laughs> but blimey can't end the show like that mm. there is that nice Bob Stoker quote that's in the, the media room about the the club always being probably paraphrasing it slightly but he, he said I didn't bring the magic back to this yeah. football club it's mm, always been, been there. I just mm, discovered everybody loves a sentimental tweet like that don't they <laughs> any they? idea somebody who comes from a, you don't want to disclose your ideas oh yeah <laughs> uh, no I've, I've pitched a few to Martin and he's never quite went with them so <laughs> I'm probably not the authority on t-shirt ideas but I quite I quite like the, the old obscure results like the Sunderland 1 Walsall nil type one or obscure players you know I wanted to T-shirt with like Sam Easton on or someone like that. You <laughs> Paul <know>? Williams, Paul <laughs> Terry <laughs> Cook. Mm. Was Paul Williams the one who John Kay got to dance on top of the car down Exeter that time? I don't know. I think it was. Was it? I remember he was on loan from Crystal Palace. I think. Oh, that one. That was a different Paul Williams, wasn't it? Yeah, it might have been. Oh, he was rubbish, him, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. That tends to be the the running yeah, I think theme. The, I think all wild rubbish, to be honest. Yeah, mine would just be the plain T-shirt. Hashtag bring back Alf. That's oh, mine. God. So there you go. We're gonna go. Out. Gareth is absolutely obsessed. You won't I'm not. I'm playing on it. A bit. No, you're nah. not. No, you're not. He's, got, he's got an Alf T-shirt on already. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, not. You know, let's bring. I think he should come back. On, we'll not talk about that day. Though. Well, you might not have to wait very long. You know. Let's hope not, because mm. he should be. He should, you know, he'd, uh, he'd be a great option in there. Athleticism, strength. Yeah, I think mm. it'd be like instead of Larson or something, he'd, he'd be a bit of a different, very different player to what we've got. As an option, so and I think he uses the ball quite well. So, yeah, bring him back. And he's added goals to his game since he's been in Turkey. Is that how many? Th- three in fifteen or something. Mm. So, top. He'd be top scorer. If have, you been watching, have you been watching all the games? I haven't. You no, I haven't. I haven't. It's too, pa- it's too painful. Your midnight watching. It's too painful. You know, to see him out there sitting there you know? crying with a box yeah. of roses, yeah. eating a box of roses, eating a box of roses. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, not that I'm stereotyping anybody or any particular sex or anything. Like that. Yeah. But um, we're going to leave the show now. Alfie and die for Gareth. And, um, let's hope, as always, we can get back to winning ways. Gus has already done it previously, as we've said. But they were home games. This is an away game. Try not to think about the six-one trounce next year, and hopefully, we'll have another win to talk about when we are back here next week. Thanks for listening. Over and out. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.